This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Covered in Pet Hair, a boozy show for pet lovers on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Isabel Alvarez Arada, and today I have the pleasure of having a drink and a chat with America's favorite cat expert. I'll tell you all about her and introduce you as soon as we come back from these messages from our sponsors. Molly, here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Covered in Pet Hair. I'm your host, Isabel alvarez Arada, and today I have the pleasure of having a drink and a chat with a certified cat behavior consultant, a self-proclaimed work fanatic. She's a Nashville resident. She's dog mom to a rescued Sheltie named Griffin, cat mom to a cat named Pearl. She's author of eight cat behavior and training books, three of which I'm going to mention. Think Like a Cat, Catwise and Cat versus Cat. She's a pioneer in the field of cat behavior consulting. Her name is Pam Johnson Bennett. Welcome, Pam. It's so good to have you on the show. Hi, I'm looking forward to this. It's so much fun. Yay, I'm so excited. You have so much expertise. You've been doing this before anybody was doing this. Yeah, before you were born, probably. <laughs> no, highly doubt that. I actually, I'm pretty sure I was that young a child, uh, but thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. But I am so fascinated by how you get your how you got your start and all that. But before I get into the details of how Pam took bad advice and took it to making everybody's life better, I want to introduce our drinking game today. So anybody at home, if you participating in our drinking game, anytime you hear this word, the secret word is versus. Make sure you take a drink of whatever you're enjoying, but please be over 21 in the U.S. to partake. Never drink and drive and always drink responsibly. So what are you having tonight, Pam? I'm boring. Water. (laughs) He's having water. That's fine. You know, it's funny. I'm having a mocktail today because I have been fighting a stomach bug that my kids brought home for a while now. So I'm having a passion fruit spritzer. This is half passion fruit juice, half sparkling water. And it kind of feels like a cocktail, but it won't be too hard on my stomach. So cheers. Thank you so much, Pam, for being on the show. Thank you for having me. And my water, unfortunately, it is so hot here in Nashville that water is the best thing. But yours looks so much better. (laughs) It looks as tasty as it is. It's actually quite delicious. Well, I always introduce this show with a game. And so today's first game is called POV Cat. 
So from a cat's point of view, I'm going to give you some kind of scenarios. And I want you to just give us what the cat is seeing, feeling, imagining when these very common day-to-day occurrences happen in their lives. Are you ready to play? Mm-hmm. All right, let's do it. So what is the cat's point of view when a guest walks into their house? Intruder. <laughs> is that their first instinct? Yes, because cats are territorial, so they they take comfort in predictability and familiarity. So somebody coming in, strange smells, strange sound, they have to first make sure, are, you know, are you friend or foe? So there are social cats who will greet anybody and they've been well socialized, but basically it's, hmm, I would view you with suspicion. Yes, very much so. They protect themselves that way. We should all do a little bit of cat suspicion initially when meeting people. All right, the next one, the process of packing and moving to a new house what's the cat's point of view terror again it comes down to everything that i know is unfamiliar anymore so you have the packing which is scary right because you have all those boxes coming in and everything that the cat loves is getting packed up and the cat didn't get the memo that said we're moving to a new home all of a sudden the cat's put in a carrier and shows up in a new home where everything is all rearranged so it can be pretty terrifying. I love that you're using these one word answers. They're so good. Okay, next one. I grew up with a very clean mom. So every Saturday was cleaning day. If I had had a cat growing up, what would the cat have thought about cleaning day? The cat would do it every day. Every day should be cleaning day. (laughs) (laughs) Clean the litter box, clean yourself, make sure the food bowl and the water bowl are clean. So yes. Uh, I have been accused of having OCD, so uh, I relate to cats. (laughs) Yeah, well, they really like their clean environment, so they're not upset if we start mopping and, like, cleaning, right? They're they're cool with it? No, the only thing you have to be careful of is the chemicals you use, the products that you use. You have to make sure that they're safe, and if you're doing something like mopping the floor, you don't want to let your cat back in until that's dry. So you have to remember everything that the cat's paw touches or anything the cat rubs against could eventually end up in the cat. So you have to be very safe. But, you know, in terms of like litter box and, you know, like food bowl of your cat, especially if you feed dry food, don't just keep heaping dry food in that bowl and never cleaning it out. Right. Yes. Yes. Cats are by default, very clean animals. So they prefer a clean bowl any day of the week. How about this one? Family is preparing a nursery for a baby. What is the cat's point of view about this new thing that's happening? Oh, new toys for me initially, (laughs) right? It's it's all these fun things coming in. You know, you've got a little uh, chair for the the cat to sit in, which is basically, Mm -hmm. you know, a high chair, which is like a new cat tree. Right. Uh, You have the crib, which is, wow, I get this really comfy bed. (laughs) So initially it's interesting and a lot of fun. But then when the baby comes, not so much fun. So my advice is do things very gradually. Let the Mm -hmm. cat get comfortable with things. um, And introduce the baby very carefully and slowly but you know cats they don't like change but sometimes they can have a hard time distinguishing whether something you bought is for them or not for them so (laughs) I think they should think it's for them until told otherwise that's kind of how I operate well Pearl my cat thinks everything is hers (laughs) I just gave up it is it's hers (laughs) it's yours it's yours even my cell phone it's yours Pearl (laughs) Uh, All right. So the next one is holiday dinner. Any holiday you can imagine. The dinner's being prepared and it's lots of dishes and lots of smells. What's the point of view of the cat? 
all kinds of interesting food to check out, but unfortunately it can be very dangerous food. You know, when we think of holidays like Thanksgiving, you've got turkey where you've got things that the cat could get the poultry bones or get something that's not safe. Cooked poultry bones can splinter. So yes. you want to make sure that even though it's very enticing from the cat's point of view, it's not safe. Right. So right. you have to make sure your cat stays safe. But holidays are kind of like a, a mixed bag because there's all these great smells of the food, but then you have all the strange people. So it's uh -huh. like, what are we going to do? So from a cat's point of view, maybe the safest place is to hang out in the kitchen where all the good food is. Yeah, I would too. It's smart. How about a hurricane or severe storm is actually happening? I know so many dogs we know are scared and noise phobic and scared of storms. How about cats? What do they think? Cats can be too. Cats have exceptional hearing and that can be very, very scary. We tend to associate things like thunderstorm fear with dogs because, you know, they whine and they bark and they, they run around. And with cats, it can be that they hide. So we may not realize that they really are terrified. So right. my advice is make sure your cat has safe places to go. You know, whether it's hideaway places or if the cat wants to hide in the closet, let the cat set the pace of what what's needed. You know, don't pull the cat out and try to comfort him if what he wants is to just stay hidden. Right. Smart, smart. All right. Next one. You bring Pearl a new cat toy. What's Pearl's perspective on the matter? Hmm. Another thing for me is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Oh yeah, Pearl loves her cat toys. In fact, she has a new one that was unexpected. And those of you who follow me on Facebook know this saga. I was pulling clothes out of the dryer and I used dryer balls and uh -huh. a dryer ball fell out of the dryer and Pearl decided this is the greatest toy ever. <laughs> so yes, she has it. I've given up on it and now have bought new ones. <laughs> is it one of the wool yeah, ones? Yeah, it's oh, one of the wool course. ones. And I do watch it to make sure she's not chewing on it and loosening right. any of the wool. So you have to be careful with that. But she loves it because it's easy to kick and roll around. She has so much fun and I don't have the heart to take it away. It's, you know, it's like all the toys that she has. And trust me, Pearl has a lot of toys. I get sent a lot of toys. The dryer ball right now is the toy. That's hilarious. That is so awesome. And they're healthier than dryer sheep. Yes, that's why. That's why it's I use why them. you have them. So that makes perfect sense. And if you can make sure that she's not ingesting the wool, I feel like right. it's the perfect toy. Yeah. <laughs> How about a cat that is purring on their human's lap? What's their point of view? Well, purring is kind of mysterious and mm -hmm. it can have different meanings. So I would say if the cat is on your lap, chances are that's happiness, contentment, absolute joy and love. But keep in mind, cats purr for various reasons. So the cat who's purring while in the cage at the veterinary clinic or in a shelter, Ooh. it's not the same as the cat who's purring on your lap. So you always have to read, kind of like read the room, you know, yes. see what's going on. But for the most part, in your lap, oh, that's heavenly. That's so interesting that you should say that about a cat purring at like the vet, because I interviewed in my season one, I interviewed Edward Bassenthwaite, Dr. Edward Bassenthwaite, who is the holistic veterinarian. And he said that purring is potentially like a self-soothing mechanism for mm -hmm. them, right? So it would make sense. Right, it has m many meanings. It is at the vibration, uh, the vibration is at a level that encourages bone mending and yes. healing so cats can do it for that reason it's a self-soothing behavior it also can be done when cats are in a, a frightening situation maybe to try to calm an opponent wow. so that's where you really have to see what 
what's going on in the environment, but we all are familiar with that wonderful sound. I mean, yes. to me, there's nothing better I when know. Pearl, you know, climbs up in my lap or gets up on the bed next to me and starts purring. I love it. It's medicine for me. It's I know it, it sounds like it. And when you say that they can mend bones, is that only for their species or for those around them? Can they maybe heal us a little bit? I don't know, maybe if the cat is laying across you. I mean, a few years ago, I fell and broke my wrist and maybe if Pearl had laid across it and purred, maybe <laughs> the healing would have been better. <laughs> That's something to try if I ever knock on wood. Let's hope nobody gets injured and breaks a bone. <laughs> All right, next one. The humans in the house, whomever they may be, are arguing. What is the cat's point of view? It's very confusing because cats have very sensitive hearing so the cat is hearing all this, you know, from basically their loved ones, you know, at a volume that they're not familiar with. And that's very disturbing and scary. So very often cats will go and hide because of that, because they're used to the sound of your voice at your normal level. And also when you're having an argument and yelling with somebody at somebody, your body language is changing. Right. So that can be very scary. So it's yes. a good reason to not raise your voice. Yes. I read, I think on your website that cats hear, what, three times louder than we do, at least? Yeah, they have so much better hearing than we yes. do. I mean, imagine they can hear the squeak of a mouse, the ultrasonic right. sound of a mouse. So they're hearing things, even not even dealing with yelling or having an argument. Think of how loud you might be playing music or have the TV right. on. You yes. know, so or how hectic your your house is with all kinds of someone's playing music, someone has the TV on, someone's shouting, you know, just be respectful of how amazing your cat's senses are. Yes, exactly. We have to remember that when we're in the heat of the moment, arguing about dirty dishes. I don't know anything about that. All right. We actually finished the game. So next question I have for you is I heard in many of the podcasts that I listened to preparing for our show that the reason you ended up as America's favorite cat expert was because you got some really bad advice from yeah, a veterinarian. Really bad. Many, many decades ago, um, I had two kittens that I adopted. I did not like cats, did not know anything about cats and proceeded to do everything wrong. You know, all the things <laughs> I lecture people on now, uh, I did. And so when I brought them to the veterinarian, when they were adults, they were poorly behaved and I was struggling and I was asking the veterinarian for advice. And he said, these cats are awful. Just put them to sleep. And there are so many other cats in the world, get other cats. I was shocked. Of course. What terrible I was advice. shocked, but I, it shook me into the realization that I did it. You know, they were basically clean slates and I did it. I did something wrong and I was determined to fix it. And back then, many, many decades ago, there was not a lot of cat behavior information. So it was a lot of trial and error, learning from the cats. Thank goodness they were so tolerant of me learning about dogs and how I could apply dog behavior and psychology to cats. And it worked. And when I brought them back the following year for vaccinations, he could not believe they were the same cats. And he asked me if I wanted to do some work with some of his other clients. And that that's so kind cool. of how it's, it snowballed. It was not the career I, I intended at all, but it was meant to be. It, and I feel when I do consultations and when people say, Pam, I, I'm 
so terrified to tell you what I've done, you know, the mistakes I've made. It's like, tell me I've done them, you know? So there's that, that relatability that I have, you know, hopefully I bring a lot of knowledge, but I also bring that I've been there feeling. Right. So what kind of behaviors were they displaying that the vet wanted them to just, you just, just to start over? They, one of them became very, very aggressive, was bullying the other. The other one was terrified. They would bite litter box habits were hit and miss. It was easier to tell you what was right. Right. <laughs> and that was when they slept, they were really cute. I changed it all. So it wasn't just, you know, one thing I had to deal with, I had to deal with everything. And so I am forever grateful. And I think of with all the consultations I've done over the years, and it's been, they've been countless, how tolerant cats are of us because of all the mistakes we make. We don't make them knowingly. I mean, we're trying to do our best, but oh my gosh, how what they put up with, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so you said you had never had cats before. What inspired you to get these cats? It was Christmas Eve and I was in my parents' town, my home, my hometown, and I was doing some Christmas shopping. It was cold and snowy, you know, that bitter, like chill right to your bones, kind of cold. And there was a girl standing outside of the steps of the church on Main oh, Street Lord. with a cardboard box. And she had two kittens inside. There were four kittens total. Two of them were left that her mom had told her she could not come back with those kittens. And she was going to dump them in the snow. So I took them right, totally what, what? unprepared oh for what God. to do. But I just knew, no, you can't. It's you know freezing cold outside. So I, I initially saved them, but they saved me. Oh my gosh. And they changed your whole world. That's they changed so my whole amazing. They, they changed the direction of my life. And I can't imagine doing anything else other than what I do. It is a labor of love every single day. I love that so much. And you now still continue after so many decades to have one-on-one consultations with families about cat behavior. So what do those consultations usually look like? Well, right now I do a few house calls, but for the most part, ever since COVID, it's Zoom, a lot of Zoom consultations. (laughs) And it's amazing how as much as we know about cat behavior now compared to when I started, you know, I started my business in 1982. We know so much more, but yet so many cat parents still don't know what's available to them. They're still making these mistakes because they didn't know help was available. So it's a matter of with consultations, just finding out the information, being a detective to figuring out the root of the behavior. Because the first thing I tell clients is it's not a misbehavior. The cat is not misbehaving. Cats don't sit around and go, okay, what can I do to really annoy you? You know, (laughs) okay, well, I'll pee over here or I'll scratch on the sofa. You know, Uh, they don't do that. They're trying to solve a problem and they repeat behaviors because they work. So our job is to be a detective, figure out what the cause of the, the behavior is so we can set the cat up to succeed. And that's basically what we do. And I come at it with a little more knowledge and also an objective pair of eyes, as opposed to the cat parent who's just living in this and sometimes can't see, you know, the forest for the trees. Absolutely. I completely agree. Sometimes you get, and usually I feel like people reach out to trainers and behavior consultants too late. So at that point, they're just so tense. The situation's so out of control and you have to step in and calm everybody down. Right. And you can't expect if the problem's been going on for eight months, 
it's not going to get solved in a week, you know, so you have to, you have to be patient. You Mm -hmm. have to be thankful for those little baby steps of progress. But again, it goes back to, I can't believe how tolerant cats are. (laughs) I can, I just, I'm constantly amazed at what they have put up with, you know, and, and especially when I see some of the you know, situations with consultations, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, your cat sitter should have smacked you upside the head a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's actually the perfect segue. We're going to take a break right now. But when we come back, I'm going to talk about two cats, introducing cats, multiple cats, cats versus cats. But don't go anywhere. I'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors. Hey, everyone, Michelle Fern here. You know, I love using dog crates for my kitties, especially when I'm introducing them to the rest of the members of the household. And I really love Diggs, that's Diggs with two Gs, Revel collapsible dog crate. You know, they don't make cat collapsible crates that are big enough for several cats. So Diggs crate is what I need. It's fabulous. It's safe. It's convenient. You could set it up in less than a minute. You can literally raise it and collapse it with one hand. Super easy to transport and very easy to clean. And you know, while the kitties are hanging in the crate, they look good in my living room. The Rebel crate looks like furniture. And if you're traveling this summer, make sure you check out Diggs five-star crash test rated passenger travel carrier it's small enough to fit right under your airline seat but with plenty of space for your fur babe make your pets more comfortable with digs wonderful products and for a limited time i'd like to offer you 15 percent off your entire digs order go to digs.pet and use promo code petlife15 that's d-i-g-g-s dot pet with promo code petlife15 to get 15 percent off Order today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Covered in Pet Hair. I'm your host, Isabel Alvarez Rada, and today I have the pleasure of having a drink and a chat about cats with Pam Johnson-Bennett, who is basically the longest working, most experienced cat trainer I could find anywhere in the United States. Because when she started, there was no training certification. She basically created the industry. And because she has so much experience, she sometimes specializes in multiple cat households, which can be very complex. Having one cat is probably easier than having multiple cats when it comes to behavior issues. Absolutely. (laughs) Because when you have one cat, the cat owns everything. Ah. Basically, everything is mine. I wake up in the morning. Nobody's been in my litter box but me. Nobody scratched on the scratching post but me. And when you add another cat, it's as if a giant came along and shook the house up and everything is, wait a minute, you know, who's been in my litter box, you know, kind of situation. I find that when a cat parent has decided to add a second cat, they're a little more accomplished when they're doing more than two, you know, if it's like the third or fourth cat, but when they decide to go from one to two, they are terrified because of all the horror stories they've heard, you know, and all the bad advice that 
has been given, it's almost as if they'd rather go to the dentist and have a tooth pulled than introduce <laughs> that second cat. I mean, it can be very complex, which is why you wrote a book on it called Cat versus Cat. And that brings me to our second game today, Cat versus Cat. I'm going to give you some situations that do occur with multiple cats. And the thing I want you to kind of enlighten us on is what these kinds of things look like, what to look out for, because a lot of people may not recognize what's happening as these scenarios. Are you ready to play? Mm -hmm. All right. The first one is one cat is bullying another. What does that look like? It can be very subtle. Now, when we think bullying, you know, you think of the kid on the schoolyard, you know, beating somebody up or stealing their <laughs> right. lunch. Uh, with cats, it can be a subtle look. It can be what looks like lounging in the hallway where the cat looks very relaxed, but really what he might be doing is blocking access to a resource. So just because you don't see the fur flying and screaming doesn't mean there isn't bullying going on. So with cats, because they don't want a physical confrontation, they do a lot of posturing. So that's where you have to pay attention to body language, which, you know, you'll find information about that in Cat versus Cat. Yes. But they're very, very subtle. And sometimes you pick up on stuff and you realize, oh, my gosh, there's been some serious intimidation going on here that I missed. Wow. And so would you say the cats are kind of passive aggressive a little bit when, in those scenarios? They know how to get maximum impact with minimal effort. Ooh, just okay. a sideways glance, just a tilt of the ears, just, you know, so, uh, standing a little straighter with those paws. You know, they know they know how to do it. And we might miss it, but the other cat doesn't miss it, right? Oh, the other cat doesn't miss it. <laughs> <laughs> what about if cats are challenging each other? What does that look like sometimes? It can be uh, a stare down. It can be, you know, where they're actually looking at each other and they're doing this. It's kind of a dance, you know, mm -hmm. where one cat is being offensive, you know, directly staring, trying to look as big as they can, making direct eye contact, giving that stink eye. And the other cat may be kind of sideways, you know, and maybe trying to look a little smaller, maybe doing conflicting body language where the cat is mm -hmm. looking at the opponent, but the body's facing sideways, which is basically saying, okay, I'll fight you if I have to, but I really want to leave. Wow. So, you know, postures can be very uh, conflicting. You can also see things like one cat is on, let's say the favorite chair by the window. And then another cat goes up and sits there and stares him down. And then that cat who was on the chair gets down. So wow, there are a lot of little things that, you know, you, if you, I just find cat behavior so fascinating. And if you really stop and watch your cats and the dance that they do, you can see not only if they're not getting along, but certain areas where they're not getting along, like maybe they're fine in the living room, but it's at the food bowl where they have an mm -hmm. issue. You know, so it can be, it's very fluid. It can be that they can sleep on your bed just fine, but, oh, they fight when it, you know, when it, when there's just one litter box that they have to deal with. That brings me to my next one, uh, litter box ambushes, which is what I, a term I found on your, one of your blogs. What does that look like? Is it as overt as ambush sounds? It can be pretty much, or it can be that subtle sitting there uh, with a litter box, we think of privacy. We want privacy because that's what we want with the restroom. Right. But for cats, they want cleanliness. 
and they don't want the litter box in the middle of you know high traffic areas, but they need to be able to escape because they're very vulnerable when they're in there. So right. if you have something like a covered litter box, it's one way in, one way out. So if you have cats who don't get along, one cat's in the litter box, another cat comes in and stares them down or attacks them in there or sits on top of the box waiting to attack when the cat exits. Ooh. So you have to pay attention to whether you're really doing your cat a favor by creating a litter box that's so private. Ooh, very good. And do you feel like the pet parents like miss these kinds of things just because they're like, oh, my cat's in they're using the litter. I hear them scratching, but I'm not going to go like, look. And the thing is cats can, they can be seemingly doing okay, but they're living with chronic stress. Maybe that cat who has to use the litter box and that's the only one for two cats to share or three cats. Maybe that you're not paying attention to the fact that that cat is kind of skulking around to the litter box and trying to be very, very careful. So he doesn't alert the other cats. Maybe he goes in, does his business and bolts out of there, doesn't bother, you know, covering or anything because he wants to spend the least amount of time in that very vulnerable area. So I'm a big fan of using surveillance, you know, using your security camera or something. If you suspect that something might be going on with your cats, the best thing is get some video evidence so that you know what you're dealing with. That's awesome. Do they, this is not part of the questions, but do they kind of behave differently when we're at work? than they would when we're there? Is it maybe what we're seeing, not the whole story? Some cats do because when we're home, the cats tend to be more active. That may be because you're also a resource. In addition to the litter box right. and the food bowl, your re- time with you is a resource to, you know, for them too. So when you're not home, they may kind of go to their separate quarters and just sleep. It may just be when you're home, but it's good to see what's going on. Of course. Yeah. If you're not home, especially, or if it's a litter box area that you can't monitor all the time. It would right. Be and especially if camera. one cat's in the litter box and that sound of the of scratching the litter or scratching on a scratching post is what alerts the other cat that, hmm, wait a minute, they're touching my scratching post. You know, right. I'm, I must deal with this. So wow. it's good to have the evidence because then you know exactly not only who's doing what, but what triggered it? Got it. Got it. Got it. How about a mishandled introduction? Like what, what would we do from that? Gosh. (laughs) Okay. There are two horrible introductions. One is just throw them together and they'll work it out. Right. We've all heard that horrible advice. Well, that's highly stressful. Chances are they'll never be friends and it's very dangerous. Then the other way people do it is they force the friendship. Like they'll put one cat in a carrier, like the new cat in a carrier and let the other cat kind of circle it. And that's awful. So what you want to do is put the new cat in a room. I call it a sanctuary room where that cat can just get their bearings and get comfortable. And then you do the introduction very gradually. You're not on a schedule for this. So you want the cats to be friends for a lifetime take the time to go a step at a time. And I tell my clients, go at the pace of the most stressed out cat. So if one cat's just dying to be friends, everything's good, but the other cat isn't ready, you've got to go at the pace of that cat. And the key is give them a reason to like each other. Ooh, how do we do that? You do it through basically bribery. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's it's treats, playtime, but it's the kind of thing where the two cats right now hate each other. You know, it's like, oh, ever since you came here, you know, I hate you. I'm not, uh, things aren't safe. 
But then if they're just seeing each other very briefly and they're getting a treat or they're getting some food, it's kind of like, okay, I really hate you and I want to go after you, but oh, there's something here right here I can eat. I'll get you later. You know, but then they get separated right after they've eaten that treat. And you gradually build that up to where they Ooh. decide, okay, I don't really care whether you're here or not, because I seem to get good things, you know, when you're around. And then you can start to build on the friendship. That is awesome. So what about longtime enemies? Like what, what does that look like when cats just don't get along? You can have a situation where the cats never got along and you just missed it because you don't actually see any fighting, but they've still, they've been under stress. It might be a cat who you're constantly having to take back to the veterinarian because there's urinary problems and that are maybe stress related, or it can be a situation where something happened where cats who were good friends suddenly changed. And that can be, they saw a cat outside and one cat you know, got so frustrated at not being able to get the cat. And then his companion cat walked by and he attacked him. So now that changes the relationship. Uh, again, that's where, you know, having video evidence will help. But if you have cats who have been friends and now they're not, you first want to go to the veterinarian to make sure there isn't a medical reason for it. Any change in behavior could have an underlying medical reason. So you want to get that out of the way, right. uh, but it should send up a red flag that, Hey, these two cats have been best friends. Something has happened. So, okay. And perfect. don't live with long-term problems. You know, if you, there may be people watching going, my cats have been together for eight years and they've never gotten along. It's not too late. Oh, good. You change the situation. You change the circumstances and create more security. They may not be best friends, but you should get to the situation where there's no stress. Got it. Yes. They can cohabitate calmly and respectfully. Right. How about speaking of cohabitation, how about when energy levels, ages are mismatched? What would that look like? You have an old cat and you decide that you, maybe he's getting very slow. So, oh, we'll get a kitten to spark <laughs> that cat. Well, that's, oh, that's one of the worst things you can do because the kitten has all this energy, no, has no sense of territory yet, but the older cat, that's very stressful. And stress is dangerous for cats at any age, for older cats, especially. You don't want to put them through that. The other thing is doing mismatched personalities. A lot of times I'll see clients do, well, I have this very aggressive, assertive, energetic cat. So I'm going to get a very quiet cat to balance him out. And <laughs> the personalities clash. So you want to do complementary. You don't want to go opposite ends of the scale. So um, unless you're rescuing a cat and it's a situation where you, you don't really have a say, you know, this is the cat who chose you. But if you are deliberately going out thinking, I want to get a, a companion for my feline, really try to match a complementary personality. And I would also say, make sure that's going to be beneficial for your cat. Your obligation is always to the cat or cats you currently have before you add to your, your cat family. That is great, great advice. Do you offer any kind of adoption consultation where you would help a family potentially choose their second, third cat? I do everything in consultations. I okay. will help you if you're trying to figure out which cat to get or whether there should be a second cat. I love when people call me because they are 
just adopting and they want to do it right before right. they've made the mistake. Unfortunately, I don't get as many of those calls as I get after the fact, Right, uh, but I will help you as much as I can. If you're in my area, in the Nashville area, I will go to the shelter with you and help you, you know, find a cat. But if we're not, I mean, we can do it through Zoom. We can, there's a lot of things. I'm here to just help you just whatever I have in my brain, I'll right. help you with. <laughs> well, it's funny because I've spoken to dog trainers that do that, that offer that as a service. Like you said, they go to the shelter and now I know of you who will facilitate that process, but I feel like people don't recognize just what a great investment that would be to have a behavior consultant, somebody's trained who can read body language a lot better than most people can to give you kind of like a yes, no, kind of, that's not a good match. Maybe that one. Right. I like this about this one. It's so invaluable. Why are pet parents not taking advantage of those services? I think it's because a lot of people still have the image that cats can't be trained and people seem to be more deliberate with dogs, but it's, Hey, you know, we rescued this cat and this is what we got. And a lot of times that's what happens. You know, all of my cats have all been rescues. They're not cats. I chose, they were cats who chose me and I made it work. But if you are in that situation where you're thinking of adopting your first cat, maybe you don't have any yes. cats at home, but you want, you have an idea of what you want, you know, based on your family situation, how young your kids are or what you're expecting. Right. I love it when people are proactive and want to avoid behavior problems by setting things up right from the beginning, but we don't always get that. I am yeah. always more often than not the last call. Oh, and it's so frustrating because they could have maybe prevented that. So tell me about this myth that I hear a lot. Cats do better in pairs. Is that a myth? Is it not a myth? Do they often do better in pairs? Are there cats that do better without a mate? There, it's like people. There are some people who don't want to live with anybody else. So there are cats that are really better off being solo cats. There are cats that definitely benefit. I think most cats or many cats benefit from a companion, the right companion. And I, I think you can have just as many problems in a big house with two cats as you could have in a small house with five cats. It's a matter of how you've set it up and the personalities of the cats and how you've distributed resources. But know your cat. Like if, you know, it, many people will, will say, well, I've got to get a companion for my cat because he's lonely. Maybe he isn't lonely. Maybe he's bored because you haven't done enough environmental enrichment. There may be things that you can do and a, a second cat isn't the answer, or it may be, but know your cat. And uh, the other thing that I hear is, you know, if you have a male cat, you should get a female cat or vice versa. To me, it's all about personality. It's all about complementary personalities. That makes perfect sense. So tell me about bonded pairs. We see a lot of times in rescues and shelters that they're adopting out bonded pairs. Are they always going to be a bonded pair? Does that change potentially if in a new home with new dynamics? It could change if there's already a cat at home and you're, you, know, you have one cat and you're bringing in a bonded pair that could put stress on the bonded pair. It's life. Things can, right. things can change, but you're already starting out at an advantage if you adopt a bonded pair, because you're bypassing that initial get to know you. They also know how to read each other's body language. And that's very valuable because cats don't have this 
specific rule book of, okay, this is what I'm going to do when I'm going to ask you to play. This is what I'm going to do when I want to be left alone. Cats are very individual and they can misread each other's signs. We do it as people. We misread each other's you know signals right, for things. Right. So when you have a bonded pair, you already have that leg up where they kind of have their own language and understand each other better. And I would say, if you are thinking of adopting your first cat, adopt two. Okay. It's so much easier initially. So, and it's not that much more expensive, you know, after initial, you know, vaccinations and checkup and everything, it's really not much more expensive and the benefits are amazing. That is such good advice. So tell us, how can my audience learn more about you, your consultations and all that you offer? Well, you can go to my website, which is catbehaviorassociates.com. I'm also on Facebook, Pam Johnson Bennett and Instagram, which is think like a cat. So I'm there. You can find me. I'm everywhere. Yes. Your website is chock full of information, great advice. You can get links to her books on there as well. I just want to propose a toast to you, Pam. Thank you so much for all that you do for the cats and for being my guest today. Thank you. This was so much fun. Thank you. I'm so happy you enjoyed it. I also want to propose a toast to my executive producer, Mark Winter. Thank you, Mark. And to our audience for joining us for these awesome conversations. Here's to a life covered in pet hair because there's no better way to live. Right, Pam? Oh, absolutely. I'll drink to that. (laughs) To learn more about Covered in Pet Hair, please visit coveredinpethair.com or petliferadio.com. Thank you for watching and I'll see you next time. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.